Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Lori LeBay, your host at Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, and I'm thrilled you can join us today. If you enjoyed our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and you can download that on any of your favorite music uh, platforms. For those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to talk to real people all around the world making a difference or having questions or uh, who are able to give advice or insights as to what it's like to live with dementia. And today we're going to be talking about research, but before I introduce you to our guests, I do want to remind people this is a live show today. So if you have any questions regarding our topic, you can call in at 323-870-4602. That is 323-870-4602. Now, we did just recently update uh, the Alzheimer's Speaks website, and I highly encourage you to go there. We have one whole page just dedicated to a multitude of free resources that you can access. Our website is still the same. Check out Alzheimer's speaks.com and let us know what you think there you will find things like dementia chats and uh, dimension arts poetry our youtube channel um, things about becoming dementia friendly and memory cafes and of course our radio show and so much more there you'll also be able to find some public events that i'm doing and i do do a couple of support groups that you'll find there one is a virtual Uh, And that is the second and fourth Wednesday of each month at 1 o'clock Central Time. So that would be 2 o'clock Eastern Time. Anyone is welcome to join us. That is for people living with dementia and their care partners. Also, locally here in Minnesota, in the Shoreview Community uh, Center, we do a Caregiver Connect program. That is the fourth Wednesday of the month, starting at 10 a.m. Central. And with that, you can bring your loved one for some respite care uh, while the care partners um, sit and discuss different things. And uh, let's see, I also want to give a shout out to Saltbox TV. If you haven't checked them out, Saltbox is really cool. It is a free online streaming service designed specifically for seniors. And I did mention some upcoming events, one that I forgot to mention. Um, isn't until September, but I still suggest you mark your calendar uh, Tuesday, September 20th at 6.30 to 7.30 Eastern Time. Artists in your living will be sponsoring a webinar I'm doing on the realities of dimension. We're going to be talking about family-friendly 
tools and tips that you can use. We are going to hear from the Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner, and we'll be right back. I love the foot bar walker, and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest. There are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. You're going to want to check out the Adaptive uh, Equipment Caregiver uh, Corner. They are absolutely fantastic. They have a ton of short videos highlighting different types of equipment, but also how to use it and how to install it. Uh, which is is really fantastic. Now, today's show, we're going to be talking uh, with a couple of uh, people from Anovis Bio, uh, who is really advancing the solutions to reverse neurodegeneration uh, by targeting multiple neurotoxin proteins. And, you know, research has been such a hot topic lately. There's been a lot of, a lot of questions out there. And so I, I always love when we when we have researchers on to kind of talk about the nitty gritty of what they're doing and what's going on with research as a whole. Because with so many other things in our life, there's a, there's a lot of questions in terms of of ethics and standards and where are we going and why are we heading in a certain direction and what do we really know um, about all the different types of dementias that are out there. So I want to welcome today, we've got uh, two two women with us who are just fantastic in their area. Maria um, Mexicini is the founder, president, and CEO, and executive board member of Anovis Bio. And she has actually devoted um, her life in a 30-year career to studying neurodegenerative diseases and their possible treatments, which I think is just absolutely fantastic. She actually founded Anovis um, back in 2008 and this was her second biotech company uh that she has that she has started so welcome maria how are you doing today i'm doing great and thank you so much for having us and yes this is a very very important area because at some point a lot of us will be affected so thanks a lot for hosting this yeah, well, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but my mom lived with the disease for 30 years, and so I totally get it, and I see more and more people getting diagnosed younger, and they're going to be living uh, long lives like my mom did with this disease, uh, many of them, and I just think this is uh, such an important 
discussion globally. Uh, there's so, so many people affected. This is not a disease of one, but it's a disease of families and society at large. So I'm going to go ahead and, and also introduce uh, to our audience uh, Cheng Heng. Feng, who is their Senior VP of Research and Development, and she is a real accomplished neuroscientist uh, in and of herself, and she has a decade of experience with neurodegenerative diseases, uh, and also she has a really broad spectrum of knowledge of hands-on experience as well. So welcome, Chang. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having us here. Well, good. I'm I'm glad we've got both of you with us here. I'm still hearing a little bit of background noise, and I don't know if either of you are on um, are on a speakerphone or not. But if so, if you can um, revert to just uh, handheld, that would be wonderful. I'm going to start by asking each of you if you have been touched in your own family or circle of friends by dementia. And Maria, I'm going to let you go first, if you don't mind. Well, yes, my mom had Alzheimer's, and every a lot of people I talk to say, oh, my God, it's genetic. My mom got Alzheimer's when she was 88, and she died at 95. It's not genetic. So mm-hmm. from that point of view, I'm not worried. The point mm-hmm. of view I'm worried about is that if we make it to 90, 50% of us will be demented. This is not a disease that that spares anybody who ages. By the time we are 100, 90% of us will be demented. That's reality. It's nothing to do with genes. I mean, 2 3% of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's is genetic, and the rest is old age. And there are so many things that contribute to it. And mm-hmm. so, yes, on some hand, I, do, I don't really study this because of my mom or because I'm worried about myself. I study it because it is so endemic and we'll all suffer from it. Mm-hmm. Agree. It's a, it's going to hit us sooner or later. How about you, Cheng? Have you been personally touched by dementia? Yeah, of course. Uh, my grandfather died of um, Alzheimer's, and uh, these days it's almost you know the moment I tell people I work in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, everyone has a story to tell. You know, mm-hmm. either someone they love or someone you know from friends and um, families. So, yeah, it's, uh, it impacts uh, many, many people's lives. Yes, it, it really, really does. Um, Maria, I'm going to have you kind of give us a quick overview in simple language that our audience will understand about what, what your company is focusing on in terms of cure. So a lot of people have heard of how, of Adelhelm, the, the latest drug that Biogen was trying to market, and it's not being reimbursed because it works, but it doesn't work, and it's expensive, and it's too expensive. What pharma has done for the last 15 years is attack one or another neurotoxic protein, like A-beta. Everybody knows plaque is the cause for Alzheimer's. As it turns out, plaque is one for Alzheimer's. And so attacking just plaque has not yielded very good results. And what we looked at is how do nerve cells die? And yes, plaque is toxic, but tangles are toxic, Lewy bodies are toxic, other things are toxic. And so we looked at how do nerve cells die and can we prevent them from dying? 
And what we found is a drug that removes a lot more toxicity from the brain than just plaque. And it's the first thing it does, it improves the way the nerve cell functions. So if your nerve cell is sluggish because you've got Parkinson's, you move slowly. With our drug, you'll move faster. If your brain is sluggish because your nerve cells move slower, with our drug, your nerve cells will move faster. You'll think faster. And we are very, very happy to say that our preliminary data actually show that this is really what the drug does. It speeds up cognition, it speeds up movement, and it leads to better cognition and better movement. Well, that's pretty dang exciting. Uh, people have yes, uh, it is. Yeah, that is that is really exciting. Um, you know, it's it's been interesting to kind of watch the the research scenario and and what has been targeted and and why. Um, now, I'm assuming that you, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you've taken a, a little bit different approach than others out there uh, to come up with this. Uh, where did where did the theory come from in terms of how you were going to approach things different from, from everyone else out there? I'm not sure I understood your question. Sorry. So there's, there's a lot of different theories out there in terms of what causes you know, dementia and how it should be approached. Can you give yes. us a, a little expanded background on why you decided to kind of take a, a different angle than, than many others out there? Well, you know, I don't think that there is a homogeneous, and I don't think there'll ever be a homogeneous approach because Alzheimer's is so many things. If you think of the genetic approach, it's kind of easy. You have a gene that mis does the wrong thing, end of the story, mm -hmm. fixed gene. But if you think that how many things can cause Alzheimer's? Traumatic brain injury can cause Alzheimer's. You have, you, you have a car accident, you hit your head. It could 20, 30 years later lead to Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. Uh, you get exposed to mercury or lead. It could 20, 30 years later uh, result in Alzheimer's. You eat too many carrots, you get Alzheimer's. You mm -hmm. eat too few carrots, you really get Alzheimer's. It's just aging. It is, uh, during aging, not just in our brains, but in all our cells, we accumulate more and more toxins. That's why we get more cancer. That's why mm -hmm. we get more neurodegeneration. Cells just get old and sick. And if you think of the fact that we all get wrinkles, Mm -hmm. Well, it's aging. Well, the mm -hmm. brain gets its problems. It gets wrinkles. It gets Alzheimer's. So there's never going to be a unified theory. But what is unified is that neurodegeneration means nerve cell death. Mm -hmm. If the nerve cells do not die, you will not have neurodegeneration, which means you're not going to have Alzheimer's. You're not going to have Parkinson's. Now, how you prevent these nerve cells from dying could happen in 20 different ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I have thought all along there isn't just one clear path um, to, to preventing or curing this disease. And it just seems like the longer we go on, the more that is kind of brought to the forefront in terms of, of possibilities. Um, mm -hmm. Now, Marie, Maria, can you tell us the name of the the inhibitor that you're using right now to help speed up these cells? Well, 
uh, our drug is called punctonetab. It's not mm-hmm. my choice. The uh-huh. United States uh, agency that gives you generic names called it that way. And uh, the reason, well, for each drug category, they find a novel name. And so uh-huh. for us, they found bontanetab. Okay. It's one drug that works in all these diseases because it protects nerve cells from dying. Okay, great. Now, um Zheng, I'd like to ask you about uh about Putinatap and I I did not know that you guys didn't pick out your own name. So that's kind of kind of <laughs> interesting in and of itself. You're just kinda of left in the wings there uh with that. So that that clarifies a lot for me, just in and of itself knowing that. Um do you wanna give us a little background in terms of you know how it works maybe a little bit more specifically what you're targeting within the within the brain and the body yeah absolutely um like maria already pointed out in most of the neurodegenerative diseases you know even though for alzheimer's we were focusing on a beta plaques neuroneurofilament tangos you know and for Parkinson's disease, we were focusing on Lewy bodies. So mm-hmm. these were different calprio proteins, right? APP caused a beta amyloid, mm-hmm. and tau caused neurofilament tangos, and alpha synuclein caused those Lewy bodies in Parkinson's disease. However, if you look at all those strains, no matter your Alzheimer's patients, Parkinson's patients, all these calprio proteins exist. It just previously was overlooked because you can only find things you're looking for, right, even though those proteins were there. So now it's more and more acceptable. It's actually over 50% of the Alzheimer patient's brain. You'll find alpha-synuclein, the culprit protein for Parkinson's disease. And in 30% of the Alzheimer patient's brain, you'll find a TDP43, which is for uh, Lugaris disease. So... All these neurotoxic proteins, they have very similar things. They, When they overexpress, they aggregate and become toxic. So our um, compound, abuntanitab, reduces all these neurotoxic proteins at the same time. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I know when when they did the autopsy of my mom's brain, um, you know, it was significantly shrunk, needless to say, and, and greatly atrophied. But they said, you know, it was primarily Alzheimer's, but that she did have some Parkinson's and Lewy body, according to, right. to their findings. And, you know, those two had never really been mentioned before regarding my mother's uh, disease through the through the whole process until that autopsy. And, you know, looking back, you know, they asked me, you know, well, what do you think? And I said, well, you know, it was hard because she did, she did stiffen up a little bit, but we kind of thought it was more old age. And, you know, she ended mm-hmm. up in a wheelchair um, just from mobility, but we, it, we didn't really think that it was necessarily Parkinson's. Nobody, nobody went down that road. We just thought it was, you know, part of the disease process per se of, of aging um, in uh, in confusion with the uh, with the Alzheimer's, you know, and uh, and so I, I find that really fascinating that you're saying these these other things are there and there's a lot of similarities 
and overlaps, and it makes sense to what degree they are in terms of what we're going to see um, as, as far as symptoms and stuff go with people. So, uh, and we're seeing that so much too, even as people progress with the disease, you know, all of a sudden we're hearing more about people having more than one type of dementia, which those who aren't familiar with dementia go, how can that be, you know, and it's like, you talk right. to the community and it's pretty common or it's changed, the diagnosis itself has changed as, as symptoms increase with that. Um are there, uh, oh, go ahead. Was there something else you wanted to add? No, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think we are understanding more and more about these diseases. Because if you ask, you know, 100 years ago, people just think that's senile or people go crazy. But there's so much nuance and so much biology behind it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and... And that is, sorry, but that is so, so important because we thought that Alzheimer's was a disease and Parkinson's a disease. And with better diagnostic tools, we are finding that there are so many mixed pathologies. You cannot treat the mixed pathologies with one single drug. So, mm-hmm. right. or with a drug that is very specific for one pathology. So that's really where our drug comes in because it treats the later piece, it treats the death of the nerve cell. It prevents the nerve cell from dying, independent which pathology caused it. Mm-hmm. And I really think that all the novel diagnostics have shown us that there is no clean Alzheimer's. Right? Yeah, I I would really tend to agree with that. I think a lot of people with dementia would tend to agree with that as well from from those that I've talked to all around the world and one of the things that I find really interesting that they that they say as it relates to their symptoms um you know and they say we don't care if you're using a scale of 1 to 3 or 1 to 7 you know when it comes to symptoms but they say our symptoms are like emotions you don't stick in one gear all day long and right. most of them feel like they flow, that they're very fluid all day long going through many, many symptoms. But uh, but so many of them tell me, but I'm not going to tell my spouse that because I don't want them to think I'm stuck there. But, you know, and and I thought the, the analogy of using emotions, you know, you can get up and be in a good mood, but you can get in your car and someone cuts you off and that changes. You know, <laughs> and you get a little snappy or a little upset. And that's that's normal life. But I think we, when it comes to chronic illnesses, I mean, we want this magic bullet. We want it fixed. We want it black and white. And we don't want to have to understand or deal with the middle. And, you know, to me, the middle is 99% of the disease process. And, yes. uh, and, and I think it's just so, so very important. Now, Maria, are there certain types of, of proteins specifically that you're targeting uh, with this with this drug? Um, well, well, yes. I mean, you know, most the Alzheimer's is associated with a beta, chronic traumatic encephalopathy with tau or tangles. I think Cheng already mentioned Lewy bodies and alpha-synuclein with uh, Parkinson's. But in mixed pathologies, you find them all in the same person. And as mm-hmm. I said, there, is, there are very, very few clean pathologies. 
And our drug actually attacks them all. It attacks a beta, tau, alpha, synuclein. It attacks all the neurotoxic aggregating proteins that cause nerve cell death. Wow. That is, uh, that's just really, really exciting news. Now, where exactly are you with this, with this drug, um, Chang? Is, uh, if you can tell us, are you still in uh, trials at this point, or is this something that, that uh, is going through the process of getting approved, or is it approved? I'm sure our listeners are, are very interested in knowing that. Yeah, we're at a very exciting stage. So we just kicked off our phase three, uh, which is the latest stage of um, trial in Parkinson's disease in seven different countries. So this week, we actually have our first of three patients being screened to be treated um, for Parkinson's disease. So our plan is in October, we're kickoff um phase two, three in um, Alzheimer's disease. Okay. So stay tuned. It's really exciting. Um, the phase three data is the data we will use to go to the FDA to mm-hmm. request for the new drug approval. Okay. Now, was there a, a reason, because um, I, I know people are always in, kind of in competition between between. Uh, drugs and and their purposing behind them when when uh you know it sounds like parkinson's is a little bit ahead of the alzheimer's uh patients in terms of trials here was there a reason for that were you seeing um better effects with that group or did you think it was going to be easier i know sometimes uh companies really struggle with getting people into trials um what's what's the rationale when you when you are looking at prioritizing, you know, what happens. And, Maria, I'll I'll throw that one back to you. Well, um, we don't really think we are going to have a problem recruiting patients, at least not in Parkinson's, mm-hmm. because in our Phase two study, the 50 Parkinson's patients that were enrolled and were on drug all said that they felt faster. They could write faster. And they told all their friends. Right now, we have almost 200 patients, 200 patients that have asked us if they can participate. So for Parkinson's, I don't see any problem. For Alzheimer's, a little harder. Mm-hmm. A, Alzheimer patients are usually older. They have mm-hmm. more comorbidities. They're harder to get to. They're not that active. They stop fighting a lot of them. Not all of them. Mm-hmm. But Parkinson's are more in their 70s. They are still all fighting. They want to contribute. Alzheimer's, you probably have to go more through the caregiver. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that, to me, makes total sense. Plus, on top of all the the issues that have come up just in the whole um, pharma process with Alzheimer's lately, the the controversies um, from the uh, uh, um, uh, from the Biogen thing to now the University of Minnesota, where I'm from. I mean, people are really sitting back and going, "What the heck's going on here?" And trust levels aren't as high as what they used to be. And yeah, um, that. 
sorry. That's also why I think that we will have to go more through the caregiver. Mm-hmm. I doubt that a part of well, Alzheimer's, very early Alzheimer patients can understand it. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's going to be tough for them. See, our drug is so, so different from Adohelm that, A, it's not an infusion. So once-a-day <laughs> daily pill. It doesn't have audio. It doesn't do PET scans. It doesn't do MRI. It doesn't do anything. We give people one pill a day. That's it. That makes people comfortable. Yeah. Okay? That's number one. We don't stick them. We don't prod them. We don't stick them in machines. That makes them comfortable. And the other thing, which unfortunately I can't say for Alzheimer's, I told you, in Parkinson's patients just kind of recruited themselves because they told mm-hmm. other patients who stuff works. In Alzheimer's, the data is the same. It works in Alzheimer's in our hands also. But if you think logically, if you can write 26% better, you feel that. You see that. You know I wrote better. Mm-hmm. If you can think 36% better, that's a hard thing to judge. Mm-hmm. How do I think 26% better? I can measure it because I got a scale. But for mm-hmm. the person doing it, I'm not sure they um, they see the difference in their thinking. They might see 100%, but 26% is tough. So there, I think we need to educate the caregivers. Okay. Well, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think you're right. You know, when people can can see and feel that difference, it's huge. And when you are getting that word of mouth um, advertising from people that are saying, "Hey." This has really helped me. That, to me, that is what people are really looking for. They're, they're getting, I think, more and more skeptical of being sold and pitched, and they want to hear from real voices and real people um, with real experiences um, before they start jumping through the hoops to to be part of a trial. And um, you know, with Alzheimer's, like you said, I've heard so many people go, you know, we started the process. And, you know, four months later, we find out we're not approved or we don't meet this criteria and they just have gotten disappointed, you know, through the process or they've progressed. I mean, that can happen, too, where, you know, they they did meet the criteria, but then by the time things really got started, they had progressed and, and uh, or, you know, something else health wise came up that that booted them out of the study and, right. and people get so invested in the in the whole process that it's that it can really really be difficult there now um you have a a product that helps um i think it's called uh uh exonol um which which helps with cognition in alzheimer's patients can you tell us a little bit about that and and how that's related to to dementia in uh in alzheimer's patients Chang, you want to take that? Our axonal transport, is that what you're talking about? Yep. Yes. So our neurons actually have a neuronal cell body, which is basically the command center. But then they have a long arm, which you have the information flow, so they can actually, as neuron-neuron interaction, they can commute with each other. They can, you know, give the information out. So that long arm is called axon. So because it's so long, actually, if you think about the peripheral nerve from, 
some of the peripheral nerve axons can be as long as one meters long. So the proteins are actively transporting there um, so to, to communicate with each other. Extremely important. What we found, and it's not just us, actually there are mountains of um, literature out there to show you that all these neurotoxic proteins would inhibit the axonal transport way before the neuronal die. So your information communication becomes slower, and then through years it becomes detrimental, and the axons would die back. So then the cell body would eventually wither and die. So what our uh, our drug does is to help um, axonal transport, and it helps the synaptic, which is um, your information restored, the synaptic plasticity, synaptic functions and then prevent the axons from dying and so helping the neurons to preserve its function. So that's how our drug works. And also that's also how we can see a result in one month. So usually, you know, in one month you can see like even the patient's brain, you wouldn't see much of the catastrophe. So the MRI results that you see in your mother after she passed away, that's years and years of neuronal loss. But within mm-hmm. one month, the results we see is mostly because we actually helped your existing neurons in your brain just to communicate better. So mm-hmm. that's how we believe it works in the short okay. term. And in the long term, we can help you to preserve the neurons that you have, not only help them to better their functions, but also help them um, prevent them from dying. So in that way, we think it all would have long-term effects as well. Okay, wonderful. And, Marie, just to let you know, I had put you on mute because I was getting some echoing. I was trying to figure out where that was where that was coming from. Um, but I, I appreciate you sharing that very much. Now, I, I wanted to ask, um, Maria, because I, I believe you guys are both at the Alzheimer's Association International Conference right now. Um, which some people might hear it being referred to as AAIC. And Maria, now you participated in a tr- uh, in a panel that. Um, well, I'll, I'll just have you tell us what your panel was about. That'll be the easiest way than me trying to summarize it and have you go into details. <laughs> I'm sorry, you got lost twi- twice while you spoke. What would you like me to say about AIC? Oh. I assume you edited. Yep, yep. You were you were on a panel, and I was wondering if you could yes. tell us what you were talking about uh, with the panel and, and what you heard from others as well. Yeah, this this was a very interesting panel because I think it's the first time AIC does a seventy five minute panel on novel approaches. Most approaches here have been amyloid, 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 amyloid. So. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been very interesting because none of us was an amyloid company and because we really have been swimming against the general opinions for 10 years. And finally, the general opinions is softening because most of, because of Adohelm. I mean, mm-hmm. Adohelm isn't that great and maybe the others aren't that great either. They have all failed so far. So the panel was very interesting, also because it was moderated by Jeff Cummings, who is kind of the ultimate KOL for Alzheimer's disease, Mm -hmm. and he consults for most pharma companies. 
So the fact that he actually decided to moderate a panel on totally, totally different aspects was very interesting. We had so many people. I could not believe that so many people got up at 8 o'clock to listen to us. The room was almost full, which given Mm -hmm. that this is the last day of the meeting, really means people were hungry to see something else. And I think the four approaches are all totally different. None of us is doing the same thing. But interestingly enough, all of us, all of us end up protecting ourselves from dying. And remember I told you neurodegeneration means nerve cell death. If Mm -hmm. you don't die, there is no neurodegenerative disease. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I I am glad that that panel took place, too, because I I do think everyone is hungry for new approaches and new ways to look at things. And I think there has been, you know, controversy for years over the path that we have spent so much money to go down, you know, kind of one road. And, uh, you know, like you, I mean, I, I hear and see and talk to people all over doing different things. Uh, you know, that is, that are also finding some results. And, you know, people, I think, bottom line, if you're living with this or if you have a loved one, you don't really care what path it is. You want results. And you can't measure, well, this has to give us results just because we haven't had a cure in 20 years. You know, right. I think the general public's, like, not buying that. That's not good enough, <laughs> No, and And it has to be, you know, it has to be affordable and and not so invasive, hopefully, which it sounds like yours really is um, versus some of the others that have come up. And, you know, those are all additional hurdles that have to be gotten through, not only from trials, but then from pricing on the market. And I, I mean, it's a, it's a complicated thing that you're, that you're all doing. Um, but so many people are really saying, you know, I just want my quality of life back. What can, what can yes. you do to give me that back? And like you said, if somebody can, can write or, you know, comprehend at a greater percentage um, or detail of what they were doing, that's massively huge. Um, you know, and and for somebody to, to be looking at, and maybe I'm making this too simple, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but for somebody to say, well, it cleared up this in the brain, but if people aren't seeing a physical change within themselves, they don't really care because right. they want that quality of life back. They they want, you know, they want yeah. that ability. Um, would you say that that's a fair synopsis of what you're hearing? And that's a very, very fair statement. And, and, you know, there is more to that. Okay. I don't think pharma terribly likes me because I think drugs should be affordable. Mm-hmm. If you have a drug that affects 90% of people at 90, maybe it should be very affordable. Mm-hmm. And if you have an infusion that have, you have to do once a month and all this stuff, it's not going to be. Whereas there's four companies that talk today, three of us have a pill and one mm-hmm. of us have a, has a sub-Q injection. Now, that, that makes it affordable. You know, mm-hmm. pill is gonna, even if it's an expensive pill, it's not going to be that much. And you really want to give patients something they can use. Because if you have to drag them into the hospital once a month to do tests, to do this, to do that, you don't really improve their quality of life. 
in yeah. the end, you want people. And also, you know, I'm really not for living longer. I'm, li- mm-hmm. I'm for living better as long as you live. We're going to die, okay? Mm-hmm. This is just the way life is. You can't replace every organ because there's always going to be another one that fails. But if we can die with dignity, because we can go to the bathroom, we can recognize our grandchildren, we can, we can feed ourselves and clothe ourselves. That's all we really want. Mm-hmm. I'm with you totally there. I am totally, totally with you. And and granted, there are a few people that want to live at all costs and don't really. That's uh, And that's their choice. But I also think like with some of these others, with all of the testing that has to go on, and not only is it the cost, but some people don't have the transportation. Um, some people right. just don't have the strength or the ability um, or or knowing how difficult that is. Sometimes right. to get their loved one, you know, they got to be in the right mood and things kind of got to all go smooth that day or, you know, those types of things can add a lot, a lot of stress. And yet we all know stress is not good for any of these diseases and just increases symptoms usually. And I yep. find it kind of ironic that that isn't always part of the equation in terms of, of what I'm seeing from a, an outsider looking in. And, and I'm... Like I said, I'm not a, a researcher. I'm not a doctor. I, I have no medical background. I'm just saying from a daughter with a mom and from uh, as a woman who's talked to many, many people around the world, um, right. people are looking really for, and this might sound naive, simple answers, um, which I know it, this is a really complicated thing. Um, but I, I know I have also found with dementia that, a lot of things have been made complicated to make us look like we need certain things from mm-hmm. certain organizations when we don't necessarily need them um, on a lot of different levels. And, you know, an example of that is just the social support, um, you know, that is that is out there for people. We've gotten really creative just even in the last, five years in terms of how people look at this disease and how quality of life can be improved uh, through those types of things. And, you know, when you're pulling people into hospitals and clinics for research and we still have COVID being really active, you know, that's Mm -hmm. another stressor and complication in terms of can can this be done and is this safe for, for these individuals that are already compromised? So, um, I'm just really excited to hear the the work that you're doing and um, and the progress uh, you know that you're that you're seeing uh, you know from the evidence so far. So you know, please keep me posted on your phase three trial uh, with Parkinson's disease and as well as your upcoming um, the trials you know for Alzheimer's as well. I'd, I'd love to have you back and, and hear more as things as things progress. Um, Cheng, is there anything that uh, you would like to add that uh, that we didn't cover that you feel is important? No, I think we covered a great, um, a good ground. So, yeah, I'm excited as well. So I hope we can come back soon to give you more good news. Yeah. Do you have an idea of how long your phase, phase three trial will take? Well, in Parkinson's, we are almost sure. 
<laughs> the FDA <laughs> told us to do two six-month studies, one in early, one in advance, and then you can mm-hmm. file your MBA. Okay. So we feel that's going to be 24 and then one or two years for approval. So by 25, Parkinson's should be on the market, 25, 26. Oh. Alzheimer's, okay. we are not 100% sure because, as Cheng told you, we are doing a phase 2, 3. We have mm-hmm. to do a dose study first. Mm-hmm. That will take until next year. And then we'll ask the FDA for the same clarification as I just gave you for Parkinson's. Sure. Possible we can do two short studies, two long studies. That will decide next year. But by okay. 25, Parkinson's, and I would say Alzheimer's one, two years longer. Okay. And is there uh, is there a good contact if people want to partake in the Parkinson's study um, or the Alzheimer's study? Or is Parkinson's, do you feel like that's full and, you, and you're raring to go with what you've got lined up so far? What's What's the process? Yes. So we have a website, and there is a patient page. They mm-hmm. can uh, put themselves, their name in there. They, it's going to come to us, and we okay. have a list. So we do email the volunteers routinely when each step is reached. The other okay. option is to go on clinicaltrials.gov. Mm-hmm. There right now the study is listed as non-recruiting. Next week it will be listed as recruiting. And then as sites go on, they will be added to clinicaltrials.gov. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. So to to put their name on the list, would that be going um, to your uh, your company website then? Yes, anovisbio.com, and there is a a uh, patient site. Okay, and let's see, I'm just looking at, because I'm looking at the top here, and it's got home about a science, um, neuro, let's see, neurodegenerative investigators contact, and then there's a tab here that says our pipeline in progress. Is that where they would sign up? I'm not seeing something Wow, uh, otherwise just go to contact us. Contact us? Okay. Okay, sounds good. Well, that is wonderful to know. I um, I really appreciate you both taking the time to be with us today. And, uh, again, I look forward to your progress. It's, it's nice to hear some good news about uh, some trials and, and where things are at. And uh, that's very, very exciting. So thank you for taking the time out of your, your conference day to be with us today. Appreciate it very much. Well, thank you so much for having us, and thanks for doing this for the patient. Yeah, yeah well, you know, you. We're, all, we're all better together, and I figure any way we can help raise the voice of what's going on and help people connect the dots, um, you know, that's that's our goal here at Alzheimer Speaks, and we'll continue to be. So, again, thank you so much, ladies. Appreciate your time today. Uh, for our listeners, I would um, suggest that you go to their website, Um, which is A-N-N-O-V-I-S-V-I-O dot com. And again, just go to contact us. They'll get you information uh, regarding those trials. Again, they are going to be starting up uh, really soon here for the Parkinson's Phase 3 trial. And then for the 2-3 uh, trial in Alzheimer's will be coming up as well, but you want to get into the, the pipeline of knowledge and get on the list if that's of interest to you. 
we are going to wrap up with hearing from the ALLS authors. And again, thank you so much for your time. I hope you like, click, and share. And again, don't forget to go visit us at alzheimerspeaks.com or check out Dementia Map, which is our global resource directory. If you are not part of that, we'd love to have you added to that. And if you are searching, it's free. We're not going to ask you for any contact information. We just want you to feel comfortable. You can find wonderful events on there as well as uh, blog articles and terms. So have a blessed week, everyone. Talk soon. Bye now. Hello, podcast listener. If you're caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's or dementia, you'll want to check out All's Authors, the global community of authors writing about Alzheimer's and dementia from personal experience. We have the most comprehensive collection of hundreds of carefully vetted books and blogs covering all types of dementia and caring situations. Our authors' personal stories and painfully learned lessons can help you on your own journey. We also offer a fabulous podcast called Untangling Alzheimer's and Dementia, which you can find on any of your podcast platforms. Remember, you are not alone. One can sing a lonely song, but we chose to form a choir and create harmony. Find us at allsauthors.com. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Way Showers who will help your journey a lot easier.